I have uh, put out a challenge that I would like you to read through the book of Jeremiah. I've already heard some reports. Whoa, this is a tough book. And, um, in, a, in a real sense of the word, it's a hidden book. Uh, it is not uh, taught uh, a lot. And the reason it isn't, because it can be depressing. Now, Lord willing, we'll try not to make it that for you. I owe my love of the book of Jeremiah to a man, uh, Pastor Carlton Helgeson. He taught on Jeremiah 30 years ago. And I remember being a part of that, listening to, uh, back then we had something called a tape, listening to his uh, tapes. And uh, just recently I dug those out of uh, my archives and began listening to again, and I just was renewed in my love of the book of Jeremiah. And I hope that I can just, if I could bring just a glimmer of what he did in my life with Jeremiah, I think you'll... Uh, just love that book. As you read through it, however, you can become very confused because of a New Testament mindset in that we need to put ourselves back and see God's promise to his covenant people. We need to go back there. If you don't go back there, what is going to ha happen to you is you're going to start thinking some of these promises and some of the judgments that God brought upon the nation Israel and you'll read them into your life, and you don't have a right to do that. Um, all scripture is for us, but not all scripture is to us. It's important. All scripture is for us in that it's all the word of God. Paul said whatever things were written in earlier times were written for our examples. We, we learn who God is and his purposes. God is not fooling around. When you start reading the book of Jeremiah, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna get some shock when you start reading it. This, this man was not allowed to get married. Forty years of ministry, not allowed to get married. Further, he was not allowed to go to funerals. Couldn't go to a funeral. Chapter 16. Not only that, he couldn't go to a wedding. That is a wedding feast. He's not allowed. Why? God was so serious about this judgment that he was going to bring upon the nation of Israel, there was nothing humorous about it. There was nothing to be celebrated. There was no joy in what God was going to do to this people of Israel. No joy at all. And Jeremiah had to bring that to the people. And when we start looking through the book of Jeremiah, you, you can start to get all hung up with, whoa, whoa, that our God, he's, he's a mean God. He, he's not a loving God at all. And we want to see through the whole book what God's saying about his people Israel, particularly as we're looking at this, we want to see what God is saying to the little tribe of Judah, the little tribe of Judah. Now to do that, to do that, uh, read it, there's about 60 pages in an average study Bible. And I would like you to read them by September 18th. And if you will read them by September 18th, we would like to have a prize for you. Now, we're not paying you to read the Bible. If we have to do that, you better see if you're saved. I mean, we have to. But would it just be a fun time for us to look at the book of uh, Jeremiah. But if you read through all of those chapters by September 18th, we'll have a cookout for you. Wonderful cookout outside with all the fixings. We'll have a great time together. 
So a little challenge to read through the book of uh, Jeremiah, just like we did through the Proverbs, and we all enjoyed that very much and learned something. So let's look, if we can, please, at 3,000 years of history to get us uh, to the book of Jeremiah. Can I just take that time to do that, just to set a backdrop for you so that you'll be able to see uh, when God is speaking to the tribe of Judah, what he's talking about. Because if you're not careful, when he's talking about them being saved, you're going to think he means saved to go to heaven. Saved to, for eternal life, like we're saved through the blood of Christ. That's not what he means. He's talking about national salvation as a nation. He's talking about being able to stay in the land of Israel. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about going to heaven. So when you're reading through the book, recognize who said it. God. To whom was it said? The tribe of Judah. What's the, what's the context in which it was said? They're about to be invaded by the Chaldeans. See, And the reason they're being invaded for the Chaldeans is because of their sin. You say, well, I thought Jeremiah was written because they had not kept the feast, you know, the... The, 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 the time of letting the land lay fallow, that, that was only a part of it. It's only a part of it. Remember, sin is the root. Sins are the fruit. They're not leaving the, the land fallow was, was just a, a, a fruit of the root that was going on. And the root was complete sinfulness and a lack of, of worshiping God. So it's just a small part of it, if you would. So I want to go, if I can, through the scriptures with you very quickly, covering, as I mentioned, some 3,000 years of history. And you just buckle up your seatbelt where you are there, and we're going to fly along. <clears throat> okay, the first overhead projection I'd like to show you, and you're familiar with this, this is the modern-day Middle East. You'll recognize Iraq, Iran, Syria, Turkey, Jordan, Lebanon, up in this area, uh, Egypt. You've got a picture, I'm sure, in your mind of uh, modern-day uh, Middle East. You have the little nation of Israel right here the little nation of Israel, and of course the Mediterranean Sea right here. Saudi Arabia, uh, Egypt, you, you get a picture in your mind. Now we're going to go back to the days prior to the nation of Israel. So let me bring you back there, if we can, please, on this map. On this map, what we're looking at is what the nation of Israel was in the days of Abraham. Remember, God called Abraham a Gentile. Abraham was not a, a, a Jew. Abraham did not know the Lord, but God spoke to Abraham and called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. Ur, Ur is right here. Ur is right here. He spoke to Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees, and he said to him, I want you to travel into the place that I'll let you know about when you get there, and I want you to be the father of a nation that I will build <clears throat> and a special land that I'll put them in. Now, he's way, way down here. 
So what does he do? Well, he and his wife and his father, his father, and uh, Lot, of course, he was not supposed to bring Lot with him, but he get out from your, your kindred and go to the land. But while well, Abraham just followed his father up here into Haran, up in this area. He is not obeying God. He's not doing what God wanted him to do necessarily. He has one foot here obeying God, the other foot out here tapping around. He wants to keep his, his nephew with him. <coughs> he wants his father's blessing. And we see all that in the book of Genesis. So turn with me very quickly to the book of Genesis and chapter 12. Chapter 12. We'll start really in chapter 11 and verse 31. And Terah took Abraham his son and Lot uh, the son of Haran his son's son and Sarai his daughter-in-law and his son, his son Abram's wife and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, and they came unto Haran and dwelt there. <coughs> so they stayed up here. They were supposed to head down into this place, this land, but they did not. They stayed right here. Well, God had a, a fix for that, and uh, Terah died in Haran. So God eliminated that man, quite apparently. Why? So Abraham would follow him, uh, would stop following him, and would head for the land of Israel. Now, chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of the country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land will I, where I will show you. So God had spoken to him about this, but of course Abraham <coughs> stayed with his father and with his nephew, and finally now, God's going to move him into the land. And notice, please, in verse 12. And the Lord had said, verse 1, I'm sorry. The Lord had said unto thee, Get thee out of the, thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and I will curse him that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, we're going to follow this through, and what you're going to see is God always, always tells him where to go and what to do when he gets there and future blessing for his obedience. You're going to see that followed all the way through the scriptures. Where to go, what to do when you get there, and future blessing for, for obedience to the word of God. So as we look at this, recognize that God begins to move his covenant people. He begins with a covenant with this man, Abraham, or Abram, and he wants them to possess uh, this land, this land. Now this map will be important later on in the book of Jeremiah because we're going to have the Chaldeans, the Babylonian Empire, the Babylonians we call them, we're going to have them attacking Israel. And you say, well, why don't they just go across here? Everyone knows the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. But what happens is they would have had to go across this Arabian desert, a horrible place, little or no water at all, trying to move animals and, and troops and, and supplies across that desert was just a tremendous feat. So often 
they would come up, up and around, around the Euphrates River, and down into the land of Israel to attack. And so we're going to see that that will make more sense to you as you begin to read uh, the book of uh, Jeremiah. Notice what happens now. Uh, God calls this man, we call him the father of faith. Now head with me, please, to chapter uh, 12, verses 5 through 9. Chapter 12, verse 5. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance, and they gathered the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to the, uh, into the land of Canaan. And unto the land of Canaan they came. And Abraham passed through the uh, land unto the place of Shechem, unto the oak of Mamre, and the Canaanite was there in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now that's important. You have to recognize what the promise is here. Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now what kind of land? Well, the land that flowed, we know, with milk and honey, the promised land, the land where God was going to choose to put his own name. But it's very important that you see the land, the land promise. Over and over and over again, you're going to see the land a, a promise. Okay, now head with me, please, to chapter 13. Chapter 13. Abraham is in the land along with his nephew, and they both become very wealthy, and there's a division in their tribesmen, and Abraham said unto him, listen, you go your way, I'll go my way. You pick wherever you want to go, and you just head in that direction, and that will be okay with me. I'll take the opposite direction. Why? Because the land was equally beautiful. Now, may I mention to you that if you were to travel to Israel today, and you were to look, you'd say, what in the world was God talking about? a land flowing with milk and honey. It's not. It's a struggle to keep the place green. A constant struggle. And if you were to go down into this area, down into the south, it looks like a moonscape. And yet, when we have Abraham and Lot, and Lot's looking toward the south, he, he looks, and what does he see, please? Look at, if you would, please, in <clears throat> verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that they were well watered everywhere, because the Lord, uh, before rather, the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. And so, uh, Lot takes a southern position. Now, many people believe he ended up in the southern part. This would be the Dead Sea. In the southern part of the Dead Sea, there's been a lot of excavation that's gone on there, and there was a horrible mess down there. Many people believe that was, in fact, Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a lot of uh, uh, archaeologists that have proof of that, but that's what they believe. Now, if you went there today, you'd say, what's going on there? The Dead Sea, everything's dead around it. There's nothing there. Well, at one time it was well watered until what? The judgment of God came upon it. But notice, uh, Abraham is back in that land. Now look, if you would, please, at uh, verse 12. 
and Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plains and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked sinners before the Lord. So you know that uh, the whole story of Lot, we won't get into it. But what I want you to do is pick it up now in verse 14 for a moment, please. And the Lord said unto Abraham, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where you, uh, where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, I will give, I will, uh, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed, how long? Forever. You're going to own this place forever. Now, in my lifetime, I have owned several pieces of property. But I only own them for how long? Till I sold it. Now it belongs to someone else. But no matter what Israel does, and we're going to see on modern day Israel, they gave the entire West Bank to the Palestinians, to the, to the uh, uh, Arabs, to Islam. They, they gave the entire West Bank. They had no right doing that. It didn't belong to them. It was God's land and he gave it to them. They gave the whole area we know to be Gaza to the Palestinians. They had no right to do that. They had no right that was supposed to be their land forever, yet they gave it away. Why? Land for peace, you see. And it goes on and on and on and on. Why? Well, because God promised these people the land, and they refused to keep God's word. So as you're reading through Jeremiah, God keeps saying, listen, you, you better obey. I'm going to take the whole place off you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send someone in that's going to destroy the whole place. So remember as you're reading the land promise. Why was God, why was God hesitating? Why was Jeremiah so, so uh, the weeping prophet, why was he so upset? Because he knew the land was going to be taken by a foreign nation. Okay, let's follow down a little bit more, please. Uh, look at chapter 13, verses 14 through 18. 13, 14 through 18 again. In verse 16, 13, let's look at verse 16. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then he shall be able to uh, uh, number your seed. Arise, walk through the land, in the length of it and in the breadth of it, and I will give it unto thee. And Abraham moved his tents and came and dwelt in the oaks of Mamre, uh, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So Abraham is starting to get the sense that God has something uh, special for him, and that is the land of Israel. And, and it's so important you see that, or you're going to start getting yourself in all kinds of trouble if you start claiming promises that were promised to the nation of Israel and not to you. I have an example. Can I show you an example of that? Okay, now I was witness to this. Go with me to Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. Chapter 7, look please at verse 12. And the Lord appeared unto Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place for myself as the house of sacrifice. Okay, verse 13. If I shut up heaven that there, there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Notice, now listen please, listen to this. If my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, 
and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Have you ever heard of that being promised about America? Have you ever heard of it? I've heard of it a dozen times by people. Listen, who said it? God. To whom was it said? Solomon. What is the context? It's the land of Israel. It's not the United States of America. And it never will be. We're not promised land. We're not promised this dwelling place. We're what? Pilgrims and sojourners. And I remember, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember, I think it was Pat Robinson. He had an hour-long program praying for America, and there was a giant map on the floor, and he walked praying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Listen, he was walking on the map of America. That's not a promise for the United States. And even if we do pray, is God going to spare the United States? This sudden destruction going to come, is there not? God says that very, very plainly. So when you're reading through the book of Jeremiah, don't start picking out promises for yourself. You're not in there. You're just not there. Now, can we make application? Yeah, we can. We can make some application. But you've got to be very, very careful. There's all kinds of verses in the Bible where people claim promises, and it has to do with the land. It's not the United States. We're not even mentioned in the scriptures anywhere. And I know people try to come up with some revelation things. that They're just barking in the barking in the dark. They don't have a clue what they're talking about. Let's be very, very careful to understand when you're reading through the book of Jeremiah, he's talking to his people, his chosen people, Israel. And what's he talking about? A contract that he, they signed. They signed a very contract with him. Let's look a little bit about this contract, can we? Head with me to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. Now, God signed a contract with the nation of Israel. Now, please understand, you know God doesn't need to sign a contract, right? His word. He honors his word, does he not? He, he never lies. There's no lie in him at all. He didn't have to sign a contract with anyone. All he had to do was say it. But he capitulated to us because we think in terms of contracts and so forth. But God signed a contract with Abraham. And what was that contract over? Well, you'll see just in a moment here that Abraham is concerned. Lord, you promised me seed. You promised me kids, cattle, and crops. So far, I have the cattle. I don't have the crops yet. And, and I really don't have kids yet. So what's happening? Well, in chapter 15 and verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield, and I exceedingly great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, and he's just a soldier, and he's not, he's not part of my family. And Abraham said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one is... Uh, one that is born in my house is not my heir. So the, these are my servants' kids. This, these are not my children. 
And God let him know that he's going to do something wonderful. And he brought him out, verse 5, and he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abraham believed in the Lord. That is, he believed the word of God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And we know that be the doctrine God imputed unto him or gave him righteousness. Why? Because he believed God. By faith he believed. That's a, a hint, is it not? Sure, by faith he believed. However, God said, I have a mission for you. Verse 7, and he said unto him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees, Chaldeans, and I will give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know I shall inherit? And the Lord had him go through this tremendous uh, ritual of cutting animals in half and laying the sides, the two halves down. And what would happen is the two contract holders would hold hands and they would walk through the middle of those divided animals. And that was the swearing their contract unto the Lord. But I want you to notice what happens. God uh, brings, Abraham slays the animals, he cuts the animals in half, he divides the animals, and what happens? Well, God speaks to him as Abraham falls into a deep sleep. And we see that in verse 12. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abraham, and lo, a horror of great darkness fell upon him. So God rendered him unconscious. Right there, laying on the ground. Part of it might have been the great work that he did um, in, in dividing the animals and all that business, but God uh, caused this deep sleep to fall upon him. And notice, please, in verse 13, And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a sojourner in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Of course, we know historically that's Egypt. And also the nations whom they shall serve, I will judge, and afterwards they will come out with great substance. And thou shalt go unto thy fathers in peace, and shall be buried in a good old age. But the fourth generation shall come here again. Where? Where is he? He's in the land of Israel. They'll come here again, this land, the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. I'm giving these people time in this land, the, the the, the, the horror of what was going on in the land with the Jebusites and, and so forth it was horror. But I'm giving them time. I'm giving these people time. It, their, their iniquity is not yet filled, but it will be filled in the fourth generation. You're going to come back here, verse 17. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed through those pieces. God in, in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a tremendous way, signed the contract himself. Why? Because some of the contracts with the nation of Israel, and this will be important, were unconditional. God said, I will, and that's it. But some of them were conditional. I will if you will. I will if you will. God wants us to walk in the power of the Spirit of God, does he not? And if he does, and if you do, you'll receive love and joy and peace and long-suffering. Listen, if you don't have that, it's because you're not walking in the power of the Spirit of God. It's not God's fault. That's your fault. 
If you don't have the love, joy, peace, and long-suffering, it's because you're not trusting God. You're not walking in the power of his spirit. You're not applying his word to your life. You're not in communion and fellowship with him. But if you will walk in the power of the spirit of God, you'll have that joy. In many ways, that is a conditional covenant he has with his people, right? You're still saved. You still have the Holy Spirit. You're still going to heaven. But you'll walk around this earth miserable. And I, I, Christians do. I've met them. I've met them. Miserable. And so you start wondering if they were ever saved at all. What's wrong? with? Well, it's because they're not keeping up with what God required of them. Walking in the power of the Spirit. Now again, they're still believers. We're not, we're not questioning that. But what we recognize is they have not uh, uh, accepted unto themselves all of God's glory that he wants them to have. That is the power of the Spirit of God working in them and through them in this life. Okay, let's continue on. Now, they have all the, let me say it very clearly, they have all the Holy Spirit they're ever going to get. They can't get anymore. They're just not walking in their truth. Okay, so let's go on a little further, please. In verse 18, and the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. This is the contractual agreement. It's a, it's a contract. He wrote up a contract. And he says, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river Euphrates. And then he names the people that are in that land. Now, if I can show you this, it'll be uh, somewhat difficult, but... Um, let me try to help you with this. From the great river Euphrates to the river in Egypt. Now, there's some speculation. We're not exactly sure about this river in Egypt. Many Bible scholars believe he's talking about the Nile River. Many, many Bible scholars believe he's talking about the Nile River. Others say, no, there was a river that ran in this area near Gaza, near the Gaza Strip right here. So he was referring to that river. But I want you to notice the, the, the expansion of the land. He said, I'm going to give you the land all the way over to the great river Euphrates, right here. Okay? That is in what we know to be a rock. So he would own part of a rock. He would own all of Syria. All of Syria. All the way down into what we know to be Gaza down in here. So he would own basically all of this land right here. All of this land be would belong to the nation of Israel. Did they ever own that much land? No. Why? Because they would not obey God. It wasn't God's fault. He said, I'm going to give it to you. Now, if I told you, I have a beautiful house up in Maine. It's way out in the woods. 100 acres of land, perfect place, deer on it and streams and, and apple trees, I, a beautiful, beautiful place on the, like a little crest of a hill. You can overlook the whole valley. And I say, you can have it. You say, well, I have to drive to Maine to get it? What if there's giants up there? There is. They're called giant mosquitoes. But they're, you know, uh, if you don't take it, you'll never have it, even though I gave it to you. 
And that's exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. God sent them in the land to take the land, but they never possessed the whole thing. They never, ever followed through. Even under Joshua, who, who pushed them to follow through, who tried to make them do, uh, to, to, to uh, honor God, they never, ever possessed the whole land. The tribe of Dan uh, fell to the hill people. And he, in fact, moved his whole tribe from the east or from the west coast, what we know to be the east, uh, the west in uh, the nation of Israel along the Mediterranean. He moved his whole tribe north up into the northern part where he could not take the land. He, I, I said that wrong. He would not take the land. He could have if he trusted God, but he didn't. He didn't. So God lets them know the boundaries of this uh, great, uh, great land. Are we okay so far? I, do you understand what I'm, I'm trying to get at? It's important because when you start reading Jeremiah, you want to recognize who God's talking to. He's talking to the covenant people, the people that he promised something to, the people that he, he said, if you live for me, I'll honor you. No one will take this land from you if you'll only do what I say. If you'll follow me with your whole heart, we're going to see as we go through Jeremiah, it was not so. Okay, so you know the story. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. And, but you know there's sin all along there, right? We're, we're not, I'm not trying to hide. There's sin all the way along. But God uses the whole business. Uh, could could uh, Abraham have done without the Egyptian woman? Oh, yeah. yeah but he, he chose her. Uh, uh, could uh, Jacob uh, have, have honored the Lord with his life? Yeah, but he chose concubines as well. But we have the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. Now, supernaturally, of course, God sent Joseph into the land of Egypt, down into here. From here, there was a famine in the land. And God sent Joseph from here down into here, by way of the sinful acts of his brother. And eventually, eventually, the whole nation ends up in the land of Goshen. And, and God used it. God blessed. There's no question about that. Israel grew mighty in the land of Goshen. However, there arose a pharaoh in Egypt that knew not Joseph, and they, he began to persecute the Jews. So with great hardship and indignation and, and slaughter, God was preparing them, the nation, and a man, Moses, to go back to Israel, to go back to the land. And you see that in Exodus chapter 3, if you'd go there with me, please. Exodus chapter 3. And look with me, please, at verse 4. Exodus 3 and verse 4. Talking about Moses, of course. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see this burning bush... God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not near and put off your shoes from thy feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. God is speaking with man from a burning bush and through an angelic being. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. He was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. What people? The contracted people. 
the people that were promised to Abraham, see, my people. They're my people and they're in a foreign land. I have uh, seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them out of that land into a large and good land unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto a place of the Canaanites. What's he talking about? I'm going to rescue them from here and I'm going to bring them up into this land, the promised land. Promised to who? Abraham. And this is going to be a battle all the way through, folks. We're going to see that. The battle all the way through is the land, the people of the land and the land in the people. We want to see that all the way through. So God brings them out. And you know the whole business. I, I'm not going to take time to, for us to look at it. Uh, God wants the nation of Israel to follow him. He's going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 11 for a moment, please. Deuteronomy chapter 11. Now, we're getting down to the place where they're just about to enter the land. Deuteronomy chapter 11. What has happened so far? Well, you know the story. God rescued them mightily. And that they, the people of Israel, when they were crossing, uh, when they were leaving Egypt, with a mighty hand, the scriptures tell us, God supernaturally bringing judgments upon Egypt, upon Egypt's gods, upon Pharaoh until the firstborn it dies throughout the land. And Pharaoh just says, get out of here as quick as you can. So Israel leaves Goshen, the land of Goshen, and as they come down, they need to cross this finger in this area called the Red Sea, the Red Sea. And they're, they're, they're uh, mightily cross the Red Sea. God supernaturally destroys the nations. But when they get down into this here, they come all the way down. And I have another slide that may be a little better here. When they cross this area, they come up to Kadesh Barnea. And there they're supposed to enter the land. This land flowing with milk and honey. But you know the story. They sent the spies in. The spies come back. Oh, yeah, here, look, at, look at these grapes. I love grapes, don't you? Just love them. Green grapes and red grapes and black grapes. And where do they all come from? Chili. I can't eat a grape coming from chili. They grow them in pesticides. I can't eat it. But I love grapes. Can you imagine a giant cluster of grapes? Organic. These are whole food grapes. <laughs> Just think about them. These grapes and pomegranates and and all of the, all the fruit of the land, but there's giants there. You can't take the land. God said, I'm going to give it to you. Go, go in. No, they would not. So what happened? Down here in the wilderness, they marched around the wilderness. They came to Mount Sinai, right down here in the uh, bottom of your picture, and God reiterated again the promise. And we're going to see that the next time we get together. But for the next 40 years, think about that, 40 years, over 3 million people died in the wilderness. I was not there. I had nothing to do with it but pray. But uh, during Desert Storm, um, I remember seeing 
the, the pictures of what happened when uh, it, it was Desert Storm, I think, or whatever one it was, when the Iraqis were trying to get out of Kuwait when our troops finally got in there after threatening and threatening, finally we went in. And there were whole caravans of people uh, burnt to death because of our fighters going in and dropping bombs and munitions on these people and strafing them. Whole caravans of people just blackened all over the place, crash sites in the desert. That's exactly what happened here. That's exactly what went on in this wilderness as Israel moved. Millions, three million people died moving through there. They finally come up, up into here. And they're right up here, just across from Jericho. And God's going to move them into the promised land, and Moses began rehearsing the book of Deuteronomy with them. This is a rehearsal of all that took place from 40 years ago. This is a rehearsal from Egypt. Remember, God took you out of the land, out, out of Egypt. Remember, 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 remember. That's its second law, Deuteronomy, the second law. Deuteronomy is written to rehearse the whole business. And so we're going to look at that the next time we get together and to see the covenant people of God. Now, why, am I, why did I say all this? I didn't have anything else to do tonight, you know. No, what, what it is, I want you to recognize that God's talking in Jeremiah. He's talking to his covenant people. Don't start claiming these passages. Wherever God talks about the land, he's talking about the land of Israel and the people, the covenant people of Israel. You have no promise like that. So when you're reading the scriptures, be careful. Why? Because you're going to come under great disappointment if you start claiming the promises for the nation of Israel. Where are our blessings? Not land. I'm not looking forward to owning the Wendell house forever or the Heath house here forever. Oh, I can't wait. I'll own this house forever. This will be the greatest place on earth. No, no. I'm not promised this place. I'm promised him. And wherever he is, that's where I'll be. And you know where I'll end up? In the land of Israel. Yeah. In something called the New Jerusalem. We have to stop here, and Lord willing, we'll pick it up again the next time we get together. Father, thank you for the word of God. And though it's been tedious looking at these things, tedious uh, to try to bring across the promise of a covenant people and of a land, Father, help us to recognize that we need to be so careful asking who said it, to whom was it said, and what's the context in which it was said, Father, we know we can make some application for some of these verses, and we, we're just thankful we can do that. But yet, Father, help us to be ever careful that we're not claiming those things which are never promised to us and then falling into great disappointment if they don't happen. Father, we know that your word is true, and we know that you are true. And we thank you. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, the great King and our Savior. Thank you, Lord. Amen.